Welcome to the Zoo Taxi Podcast, a series of twice-monthly conversations that center a unique LGBTQ voice in such areas as science, religion, culture, poetry, and current events. My name is Don Stouter, and I'll be your host for these explorations, sermons, editorials, and essays. For the record, the name Zoo Taxi comes from a license plate I saw one day, driving through the California high desert. I should also probably get this out of the way right up front. I'm originally from New Jersey, and so sometimes I say naughty words. Children should probably not be listening to my show. Meanwhile, sit back and enjoy the Zoo Taxi on the Anchor Podcast Network. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm Don Stouter. Today is June 13th, 2020. And uh, as we've talked about on a couple of previous podcasts, this is, uh, I don't know, probably the third week now of, um, of protests around the country uh, uh, centering the hashtag Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. And um, even as I started the show this morning, I read uh, an, an article um, uh, that police in Georgia yesterday shot a black man in the back while he was fleeing from them. Uh, he had apparently taken one of the officers' taser, but he was otherwise unarmed. So it continues, and, um, and and there's lots of conversations that are taking place about it right now, and, and that's all to the good. Um, uh, some of us who, who have seen this before, I, I think, might be a little bit more pessimistic, but I try not to be. And and as a way of, of, of not being pessimistic, what I want to do with the show today is is to simply center black voices. And um, and so that's what I'm going to do through some poetry and, and through uh, 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 some voices that we will hear of others, both past and present. So I want to begin the show with a poem. This is by uh, a black Unitarian Universalist minister, and his name is Adam uh, Lawrence Dyer. <clears throat> Don't speak to me of healing racism or wounded souls or the painful hurt until you're willing to feel the scars on my great-great-grandmother Lori's back. Don't speak to me of values or justice or righting wrongs until you're able to feel the heartache of my great-grandfather Graham, whose father may have been his master. Don't speak to me of equity or opportunity or the common good until you're able to hear the fear from my grandmother May as the only black woman in her college. Don't speak to me of passion or longing or standing on the side of love until you know the shame felt by my mother Edwina, mocked by teachers for the curve of her back. Don't speak to me of together or understanding or empathy until you know my rage as a young actor, hearing the direction to be more black, be more male. The pain you're trying to heal has no real name. This pain you speak of has no story. It is anonymous, vague, and empty. Don't speak to me of healing, for I heal the second I am ripped apart. My wounds self-suture, and like the clever creature I am, I just grow new legs to outrun the pain even faster. It is something I've had to practice for generations that feel like an eternity. So please don't speak to me of healing because you cannot know what healing means until you know the hurt. Uh, some years ago, there was a, uh, a large march on Washington 
uh, uh, to celebrate the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King. I think it was in uh, 2013, and as part of that, CNN did an interview with the late Dr. Maya Angelou. And I'd like to share a, a clip from that now because she uses one of uh, her very famous uh, uh, words to, to, to really illustrate what's going on in America right now. For you on this day, what does Dr. King's dream mean today? What, what, what do you think is the march of significance today? Well, I think that at once I'm delighted that he had the dream. I'm delighted that if he awakened right now, he could also say, ah, some of my dream has come to pass and see that their African-American family at, in, in the White House, a man and, and, and a man and a woman and their children and a grandmother, a black grandmother in the White House, my goodness. <laughs> at the same time, I think he would be disappointed to hear we have not come any farther. And so my, my hope is that the dream, we can awaken from the dream and find that some of the elements of the dream have come to pass. You don't believe that there is true equality yet? Oh, I know there isn't, and you know there isn't, and everybody who hears you knows there isn't. And yet this is what we have to have. The only thing is, Mr. Cooper, people have to develop courage. It is most important of all the virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can be anything erratically and in front of the microphone, in front of the camera. But to be that thing in your heart, you have to have courage. And so I've, I'm afraid that we are, we are lacking in courage. We think we are afraid. And fear, I'm sorry to say, motivates most of the cruelties in our world. President Obama, in his address today, talks about opening a new front in the civil rights movement, one that also pulls in the struggle for equal rights for, for gay and lesbian Americans, uh, for, for, for women in this yes. country, the rights of other minorities like immigrants. Do you see that movement for equality as part of the civil rights movement? Yes, sir. Mr. Cooper, if, if, you, don't, if you think that I can have freedom, but you can't because you're short, or you're tall, or you're gay, or fat, or thin, or pretty, or plain. But I can have it because not by anything I've earned. I just was born white, or I was born pretty. And then you're just stupid. The truth is, no one of us can be free until everybody is free. And every one of us needs to say to our children, children, this is your world. Come, come out, stand out, earn it. What was Dr. King like? I mean, you were a friend of his. You spent uh, a lot of time with him. You <laughs> Thank had conversations you with him. What, what was he like? <laughs> Thank you for that. A friend of mine just asked me, have you ever been asked a question no one asked? And you have just asked me. <laughs> Dr. King, Malcolm, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King were, were brothers. They had incredible senses of humor. They could make you laugh in the worst of times. And they did so. And you know, I never trust people who don't laugh, who said, I'm serious, and act as if they put airplane glue on the back of their hands and stuck it through their forehead. <laughs> I think you're not serious, you're boring as hell. But you, <laughs> if you're serious, you really in, uh, understand that it's important that you laugh as much as possible. You asked questions in a Time Magazine article recently that you authored, and, and questions that I want to ask you. You, you wrote, 
Can you imagine if we did not have this undergirded hate and racism, prejudices, and sexism, and ageism, if we were not crippled by these idiocies, can you imagine what our country would be like? How, do you, how, how can you answer those questions? Can you imagine? I, I'm, yes, I, I'm, I'm brought to weep when I think what my country can be and will be when we develop enough courage to act courageously and with courtesy and respect for each other. Just imagine what on earth we, we wouldn't have to say we're the most powerful country in the world. We will be the most powerful country in the world. Not because we have might, but because we have right. For you on this day, what does Dr. No one of us can be free until everybody's free. Amen to that, Dr. Angelo. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Zoo Taxi Podcast on the Anchor Podcast Network. Welcome back to the show. The next uh, segment I want to share is uh, uh, White Fragility author Robin D'Angelo and CBS News Cars, uh, uh, contributor Ibram Kendi, who's also a professor of black studies and, um, and the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist. And they're giving an interview on CBS this morning about white privilege. Let's have a listen to that. Our special coverage of Race for Justice continues with a new CBS News poll showing how Americans' view on racial discrimination are shifting. More than half of Americans believe that white people have a better chance of getting ahead in today's society that's compared with black people. And now that's up 13 points from 2015. Nationwide protests against inequality are encouraging more people to have discussions not only about race, but also white privilege. Robin D'Angelo is a sociologist and she's author of this book, White Fragility, why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. I love this title. She joins us with the author of How to Be an Anti-Racist, CBS News contributor Ibram X. Kendi. Both of them join us this morning. Good to see you both. Robin, I'm going to start with you. In your book, you write this. Unless white people have ongoing and intentional study, their, their opinions will be uninformed and ignorant. Uh, I read that and I thought, whoa, very blunt language. So I would like you to explain what white privilege is exactly and why white people have such a hard time seeing it because it's so clear to most black people I know. Certainly, and thank you for having me. A white privilege is the automatic taken for granted advantage bestowed upon white people as a result of living in a society based on the premise of white as the human ideal and that from its founding established white advantage as a matter of law and today as a matter of policy and practice. And it doesn't matter if you agree with it, if you want it, if you even are aware of it, it's 24-7, 365. And one of the reasons why it's so hard for white people to see it, well, there are many reasons, but one is it, it serves us not to see it. We come to feel entitled to that advantage. We're told that we deserve it and that we earned it. And we take great umbrage when uh, that is challenged. You write too, Robin, in the book that kids from the age between three and four are intuitively taught that being white is better, that you are superior. I, I thought that that was an interesting thing, but I find many white Americans today say, listen, I struggle too. I don't have white privilege. What are you talking about? 
And I'm really clear that I'm not saying that white people don't struggle or face barriers or work hard, but there's a major barrier in this society, racism, that we don't struggle with. And not struggling against that barrier actually helps us navigate uh, the, the barriers that we do struggle with. You grew up in poverty. Uh, how has being white shaped how you experience poverty and how you get out of poverty if you do get out of poverty? Again, it's not saying that, that mm -hmm. white Americans don't work hard, but it's, it's a bit like being a fish in a current that impacts the outcome of that work. There, there's a kind of moving along that amplifies that work. And for people of color, for black people, you're swimming against a current. And we're both working, we're both swimming, but there's such a yeah. different impact on yeah. the outcome of that effort. Ibram, what are the questions that you think white Americans should be asking these days? And I say this because I don't know any black friend of mine that hasn't gotten calls from white people all around saying, I don't know what to do, I want to help, I want to be supportive. A black male friend of mine in Texas said, for the first time he was invited on the company retreat and he's been there 10 years with you know his co-workers seeking him out what are the questions white americans should be asking well i think many white americans claim they believe in racial equality and so the way you put that to the test is by asking questions questions about racial disparities so so why is it that unarmed black people are killed by police too many times and, and armed white people are, are simply arrested. Why is it in Minneapolis that black people are 20% of the population but 60% of the victims of police shootings? Why is it that the black unemployment rate is twice as high as the white unemployment rate? And there's only two answers. Either there's something wrong with black people, there's something superior about white people, or Racism. Ibram, you've said that to get to end white privilege, you have to you have to deal with racism first, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, as as Robin, you know, talked about, it it it, it is critical for for white people, for people uh, in general, to to stop denying their their racist ideas, to stop denying the ways in which policies have benefited them, to stop denying their racism and to realize that actually the heartbeat of racism itself is denial and the sound of that heartbeat is, I'm not racist. Robin, do you believe that, that, that white folks actually care about ra racial injustice? It doesn't appear that we do. Uh, if you look at what it takes to wake us up, uh, when you look at the uh, explosion of umbrage white people take from the simple claim that black lives matter, from somebody respectfully going down on, on their knee, uh, all of the outrage about that. And then it takes us literally seeing a man being murdered in front of our eyes to wake us up. You know, that's a really high price to pay uh, for our enlightenment. And it's it just, you know, I wonder what will happen when all the cameras go away and there's another issue in front of us. You know, if we don't put something in place to keep our attention and our focus here, I mean, the status quo of our society is racism and it's comfortable for white people. And so we're not gonna get there from a place of white comfort. We're gonna have to get mighty uncomfortable and inconvenienced. And it appears to 
me that in you know 20 years of working with white people that if it requires anything of us like discomfort or inconvenience we don't seem to be particularly yeah. motivated to do anything Robin D'Angelo, Ibram X. Kendi, thank you both for being with us. Uh, that was taped about five days ago on June, uh, I'm sorry, about 10 days ago on June the 5th, 2020. And uh, uh, both of these voices, Robin D'Angelo and Ibram Kendi's are, are very much a part of the conversation right now. And, and uh, I personally think that's a good thing. We'll be right back. This is the Z Taxi on the Anchor Podcast Network. Welcome back to Zoo Taxi. Uh, I'm Don Stouter. I want to start this uh, uh, segment with a reading, a short reading, by uh, African-American minister uh, uh, Jabari Jones. On a spring day in Farmington, Maine, as I was walking downtown, I made my way through a line of cars that were waiting for the light. In front of me was a large Confederate flag flying from the back of a white pickup. I crossed the street not knowing at who was driving the truck and... <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, and went into the store. As I went about my business, I felt stunned. My mind stirred with thoughts and feelings, memories and speculations. I felt fear and anger and curiosity, worry and defiance and humiliation. As I stood at the register, I chatted with the older white woman behind the counter. Hi, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? She replied. I paused and then I told her about the truck with the flag. She said something like, oh yes, we have some of that around here, but don't let it upset you. Don't let it get to you. I appreciated her, gest her gesture, her attempt to comfort me. At the same time, her gesture made me more uncomfortable. She was asking me to respect that person's right to fly that flag and shrug it off like everybody else. What she failed to see, or perhaps ignoring a gesture of colorblindness wrapped in the First Amendment, is that I am not like everybody else who walks in the shadow of that flag. I am from away. My hair is coarse. My skin is dark brown. I'm a black man in Maine. In so many ways, I'm not like everybody else around here. But I want to belong here. In so many ways, that flag represents the denial of my rights, my belonging. <clears throat> it's impossible for me to blend in, to hide my black body, to not let it get to me. I don't have the privilege of hiding from history. Because I'm conscious, I know what it is. I know its name. It rides in the back of a pickup truck. It proudly stalks around town like an alpha predator. It clings to me like a nightmare while it seems like everyone else is walking through a dream. I point at the thing and say, look. And the crowd replies, yes, but. When I hear yes, I feel heard. When I hear but, I become invisible. My life doesn't matter. It's this but, this disbelief in the truth of black bodies, this tolerance for something that is ugly and intolerant, that is the terror that everybody else allows to walk in their midst, a casual terror that I cannot escape any more than I can escape my own body, my own consciousness, a terror that makes all lives matter less, I struggle to wake up from the nightmare and the dream that is its mirror image. I struggle to make my life matter, for black lives to matter, so that all lives will matter. <clears throat> uh, 
The Just Us Project made a two-minute PSA. Um, it's uh, um, it's all done by young black children. And although I can't show it to you in this context, I, I want to describe it to you before I play it. It, um, it starts off with a young black boy walking away from the camera and then turning around and speaking directly into the camera. And then all the voices that follow are young black children who are facing the camera. And it ends again with the same young boy uh, uh, saying his last words and then turning around and walking away, uh, away from the camera. So um, uh, here that is, Our Lives Matter PSA. supposed to protect me, attacking me. Why are you afraid of me? Why do you think I'm dangerous? Why do I afraid of people who are supposed to protect me? Why can't I make a peace sign without you labeling the gang sign? Why does standing on ground only work when I'm on the ground? Why do you show this photo over this one? Why do you only stop and frisk me? Why do you have low expectations for me? Why can't I run down the street without causing alarms? Why do you think I'm a thug? Why do you assume I'm armed? Why can't I break? Why is my mom scared every time I leave the house? Why are you targeting me? Why am I a target? Why? 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 I know why. And it has to stop. It must stop. Because I have dreams. Because I can change the world. Because I will make a difference. Because I have a feeling. Because I am strong. Because I am talented. I have a voice. I can find a cure. I have goals. I can lead the country. I am determined. I have a future. Because I'm a scholar. I am powerful. I'm someone's friend. I'm someone's brother. I'm someone's son. So I love And because my life matters too. My life matters. 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 All lives matter. And so did theirs. And again, that's from the Just Us Project, Our Lives Matter PSA. We'll be right back. This is the Zoo Taxi Podcast on the Anchor Podcast Network. And welcome back to the show. Um, I centered uh, uh, so many voices of color in this um uh, in this episode because I feel like that's really the only way we move forward is if all of us who think we know better, all of us with our white guilt, all of us who have solutions without listening to people who they affect need to stand down and we need to start following those voices of people of color more. <clears throat> and to that end, as we end every episode with poetry, I have one more voice of color, uh, uh, Tyler Kent White. One night when you were just a star, someone hung every hope, every wish, every dream they ever had from your limbs. So if you ever feel inferior, ever start to doubt your beauty or brilliance, just remember, you have constellations lining the cathedral walls of your chest, 
a moon for a heart, and the sunlight pouring through your skin. You are a symphony of stardust, and you were born to shine. That's our show for today. Thanks for being with me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit our website or at um, anchor.fm slash zootaxi, where you can make a contribution to help support the show or leave me an audio comment to play on the air. I'm also searchable on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I tend to use social media as a blog as well as a forum to share my photography, which I hope you enjoy. So till next time, I'm Don Stouter, and this is Zoo Taxi, hosted by the Anchor Podcast Network. And remember, be kind, be generous, forgive everyone, and love your neighbor, no exceptions. Mm -hmm.